0: All right, well, so we've been in this series for a few weeks called Renew and and talking about different ways that we can be renewed here at the beginning of the year. It's just a good time to implement some new things and to to restart some old things. And so uh, this morning, we're going to talk about an area of renewal, uh, an area of your life that might need renewal that I think is the most important area of your life, and that is your spirit. Renew your spirit is the title of the message today and the subject matter. You are made of body and spirit. You are unlike anything else in all of creation. There is nothing that is like you. In the Genesis creation story it tells us that man was formed out of the dust of the earth. You are physical. You have a physical body. You are you are made out of this earth just like the plants and the animals and everything else in it. You have a connection here but you are not only physical. In that creation story it says that after God formed man from the dust of the earth he breathed into him the breath of life and that Hebrew word that we translate there in chapter three, as, uh, in chapter 2 as breath of life in chapter 1 is translated as the Spirit of God. God breathes a piece of His Spirit into our creation so that we are unlike anything else in all of creation. There is nothing as precious to God as you. Because you are not only of physical body and flesh, but you are of His Spirit. And because you are made out of both flesh and spirit there is a spirit inside of you. You are a spiritual being and there is a spirit inside of you that will persist when your physical body is gone. It will go on forever and that spirit from the moment you are born into this world and you breathe breath into your lungs that spirit is longing to be reunited with the Holy Spirit of God. It desires his presence from the moment you come into this earth. And so that is why we spend our lives searching for that spiritual connection. Maybe you're in here today and you don't follow Jesus yet, but the reason you're sitting in a church is because you know that inside of you there is a spiritual longing for something. You can feel it. There is this desire to have something spiritual in your life. We can see it all over the world and all the different outlets that we have tried to fill that longing with, but that will never ever be enough because it can only be satisfied in him. And maybe you're in here today and you know that that spirit is in you and you do follow Jesus, but your connection feels faint it's been a long time since you felt the presence of that spirit. I like to tell the story about one time when I was a teenager. I was a sophomore in high school, and I was eating with my dad at one of the nicest restaurants, downtown Charleston, where I grew up, uh, Wild Wing Cafe. And we're sitting there at Wild Wing Cafe, and uh, as a teenager, I am dominating the buffet. I've eaten uh, like 30 wings so far. And uh, my dad, we're having a normal father-son conversation, and my dad asked me, hey, son, what are you learning about in school? And I said, well, guess what I learned in science today, dad? I learned about my brain. And I learned that my brain has a part of it called the hypothalamus. And the hypothalamus is the part of my brain that tells me when I'm full and I can't eat any more chicken wings. But guess what, dad? I learned that you can turn off that part of your brain. (laughs) That if you ignore it for long enough, there will be no limit to the amount of chicken wings you can eat. And I'm showing you right here today, dad. I've been ignoring my hypothalamus for years. And my dad, he leans across the table and he looks at me and he says, son, the Holy Spirit is like that. And I'm like, wow, what a mood killer, dad. (laughs) Jesus juke. But my dad says, son, the Holy Spirit is like that. That you have this spirit inside of you that will help you make decisions in this life will guide you and will help you feel the presence of God. But the more that you ignore it and the less that you feed it and respond to it, the less you'll be able to feel him until it's like he's not there at all. And that is the reality for many of us, is that we get complacent in feeding our spirit and in renewing and growing our spirit. And it becomes harder and harder to connect with the spirit. Paul warns the Thessalonians about this. He's telling them about the Holy Spirit and its gifts, but then he gives a warning and says, do not quench the spirit, meaning that you can't extinguish his power in your life. I've never forgotten that conversation with my father because it takes something so complicated, our relationship with the Spirit himself, and makes it simple. And so uh, if you're here today and you follow Jesus and you know that you still feel longing in your spirit to be renewed or you're here and you don't follow him and you have a longing for something spiritual, I want to walk you through how that's possible today. Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Paul does acknowledge that it is valuable to train our bodies. Go to the gym, do a little bit of cardio, it's good for you, but don't value training your body and neglect your spirit. Your body will pass away, but your spirit will not. And so I want to talk about how we can renew our spirit over and over again so that we can get closer and closer to God and enjoy the joy and the peace that comes from being one with him and one with the purpose of your creation until the very moment that he calls you home. I've just got three things for us today. I went significantly over in my time the last two weeks. I'm paying you back today. Number one, practice the presence. In John chapter 15, Jesus gives us the key to constantly renewing our spirit. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you... These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus reveals God's desire for you right here in verse 11. And his desire is that your joy might be full. That you might experience the kind of joy that Jesus experienced in his life. But it is connected to how well you are connected to the Spirit of God and to his presence and into the vine that is Jesus. He is the vine, and we are the branches. Jesus gives us beautiful language to describe the key to experiencing a real and lasting joy. When we abide in him, we produce fruit. I think as a culture, a lot of times we get a little bit too fixated on the fruit. We want the reward, but we're not willing to commit to the routine. In this passage Jesus talks a lot about the vine and the branches and and instead we get fixated on the fruit. But the fruit matters. The fruit is good. Fruit proves that we're his disciples. Without fruit, we we're not showing that we have connection to his spirit. I'm not saying there's not a good value in producing fruit, but I am saying that when we fixate on the fruit, we miss we are missing what we really need to be working on. Cuz in this Scenario In this illustration that Jesus is working on, he's talking about the grape and the wine. But a good winemaker isn't only focused on the grape. They're also focused on the vine itself and the health of the vine, the, the health of the branches, and how good is the soil. We get too fixated on the fruit. When the branches have a healthy connection to a good vine, and that vine is planted in good soil, you will produce good grapes and good wine. In other words, I think that we need to learn how to love the routine and not the reward. Learn how to love the routine and not the reward. i got a buddy who does the gym the way that you're supposed to do the gym. Uh, His dedication has no match when it comes to the gym. He has a dedicated position in the gym. There's a spot where he works out, and it is hallowed ground. If you walk in at 5.30 a.m. and you try to get into his spot, you better look out. A 45-pound plate might come whirling at your head. you got to be careful. His commitment to the gym shows. He's split more genes down the middle than any other person I've ever met. His biceps are the circumference of my head. An extra large t-shirt looks extra small wrapped around them suckers. How did he get there? How did he get to this place? Was it by constantly fixating on the results that he would get by going to the gym? No, it wasn't. I can tell you that it was because he fell in love with the daily routine of showing up at the gym. He learned the best rhythms for it. The things that made it easier or harder. The fuel and the food required to see the results. And he made it a part of his life. Not just an option like, oh, maybe I'll get up and go to the gym tomorrow or maybe I won't because, spoiler alert, you won't. It's just what he does. And the results are the side effects. You've got to learn how to love the routine and not the reward. Abide in Jesus abide in the vine and you will produce fruit, fruit like joy that he mentions here. When was the last time you woke up and you just felt a joy you couldn't explain? It doesn't mean that everything's going right in your life. Everything was not going right in Jesus's life at this point in the story. It doesn't mean that everything's working out. It means that you wake up and you have a joy that you have a hard time putting into words to people fruit like joy, fruit like the fruits that Paul mentions from the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the fruit of generosity, the fruit of satisfaction in life, the fruit of meaning and purpose, the fruit of blessing. When we abide in him, we produce all of this fruit naturally. But how do we do it in practical terms? What does that mean to abide in Jesus, to stay in his presence and in his love? In the 17th century, there was a French monk who was obsessed with this idea named Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence wrote a book called The Practice of the Presence of God. It is my favorite book from a 17th century monk. Honestly, it's an easier read than a lot of books by 20th century dispensationalist preachers. But uh, Brother Lawrence wasn't the kind of monk that translated scripture or served the poor or had some pious job. I don't know what you think of when you think of monk, probably Friar Tuck out there serving the Maid Marian and the the merry men of the forest and, and Robin Hood, or I think of the Holy Grail, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, the guys that were smacking themselves with the boards. I'm not sure what I thought a monk did, but Brother Lawrence didn't really fit into whatever that box was. He was just the cook for the monastery. He he was in charge of cooking uh, uh, three meals a day for these monks, and then he was in charge of cleaning up afterwards. He had a pretty mundane job to do as a monk, a pretty menial life. His life was spent making simple dishes and then washing them up. But he's remembered today because of his writings on exactly what it was he was thinking about during all of those times that he was doing the tedious work of cooking and cleaning and repeat the next day. He was doing what he called practicing the presence of God. Very simply put, as a discipline, he spent his days working to put his mind on the things of God as much as possible. He spoke about it. He thought about it. He wrote about it. He sang about it. In his book, he says, lift up your heart to him during your meals and in company, the least little remembrance will always be the most pleasing to him. One need not cry out very loudly. He is nearer to us than we think. He says, it's not as complicated as you think it is. To be in the presence of God. You just have to train your brain to drift into the presence of God at incremental moments all throughout your day. As much as you can, just do a little touch into the presence of God. I acknowledge that this food that I have is because my God is a good provider. And I worship Him. And then eat your food. Uh, He knows that, he acknowledges even in his book, that our minds drift all day long to many different things. But he says, the more that we shift back to the thinking on the presence of God, the easier it is for us to experience the presence of God and the more natural it becomes. Dallas Willard, the great spiritual philosopher of the 20th century, wrote about this and said, the more we do this intentional practice of presence, the more a new grace-filled habit will replace the former ones. As we take intentional steps towards keeping God before us. Soon our minds will return to God as the needle of a compass constantly returns to north. If God is the great longing of our souls, He will become the pole star of our inward beings. In other words, the more you abide in Christ, the more you abide, dwell, be in his presence, move yourself to his presence, the easier it becomes for you to do so. The more it becomes your routine and not your end goal, the easier it is for it to just be a part of your life. And the how of what we do there is pretty simple. Make a point to add the presence of God into some of your daily tasks. Just sing worship on the way to work. When you eat your meals, take time to actually pray over them. Don't do just, just say, I prayed over them last year and it was an all-encompassing blessing. I do that sometimes. Or, or don't, you know, God is good, God is great, let us take him for our food, amen, and keep going. But what a great moment for you to stop and to consider. Thank you, God, for this provision today. In Jesus' name, amen. Small touches to move your mind into the presence of, of God. Silently think about the way that He's provided for you as you eat. Set your mind on Him when it's drifting towards social media or boredom. Shift into a new habit to go in and dwell in His Word instead of scrolling through an hour and a half of TikTok videos. Set a couple reminders on your phone to simply stop and meditate for two minutes on the goodness of God. The more you practice His presence, the more more automatic it becomes, the more you will feel it, the more you will be aware of it, and the more you will find yourself abiding in him, and the more fruit you will naturally produce. It will trickle into every aspect of your life. Practice the presence of God. second thing is this. Discover the disciplines. Discover the disciplines. If you've come here for any period of time, you know that I am passionate about spiritual disciplines. Disciplines uh, come more naturally for some people than for others, but I believe in my heart that they are necessary for everyone, no matter who you are. I live my life by structure and routines. I am severely ADHD, and so I require structure and routines in order to have good hygiene in life. I know exactly what time I'm going to be brushing my teeth every single morning, and if I I miss like a three-minute window there, forget about it. We'll just have to wait and brush them again later tonight. We missed it. It's not going to happen. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I do all the same things. I, I, once I get started in the morning, I, I close my evening out the same way when I get to work Monday through. I've just got the same. I follow rhythms because I have to have these rhythms in order to survive in this world. And maybe that's not your wiring. Maybe you're one of these people that's naturally responsible. I'll never understand it. And I, and honestly, it terrifies me, but good for you. You know, maybe, maybe for you, you don't need a, a, a hyper focused schedule in order to survive. You're able to take care of your own hygiene and make sure that you have three meals a day uh, without having to struggle. Listen, if I, if I didn't if I didn't write my routine down at the beginning, I would forget to eat. I would survive only on fast food, gotten as I'm late to wherever it is that I'm going. This is so important that I have a routine and a structure. But even if you're not wired by that, you always get your work done. Your house is clean. You eat well. You do fine without a routine, even if that's you. I would propose that a spiritual discipline and a rhythm of spiritual discipline is a necessary addition to your life. You just may be able to flex more on the structure than I can. Spiritual discipline is a crucial aspect to being able to abide in the vine, to understanding the presence of God and to becoming more and more like Jesus. And so what is a spiritual discipline exactly? It's very simple. They are the regular, repeated practices that make up the way of Jesus. The early followers of Jesus referred to themselves simply as followers of the way. And they took that title from Jesus' declaration that he is the way, the truth, and the life. But it also represented the way that they lived. In those days, the Jewish faith had rabbi and disciples. It it wasn't just Jesus that was a rabbi who had disciples. It was actually the way that most of that religion functioned. Uh, A rabbi would have an area of faith that they focused on in teaching. And then he would have disciples who would say yes to completely dedicating themselves to learning his, teachings and, the pra- and then living out the practices that went alongside of them. In other words, a disciple's function was just understood in- to the writers of the New Testament. It was understood as someone saying yes to being with the rabbi, becoming like the rabbi, and doing what the rabbi did. And so when Jesus gives us this call and he says, follow me, he is asking us to be with him, to become like him, and to do the things that he did. He uses this call, follow me, every time he comes in, in contact with a, someone he wants to be his disciple. When he when he meets up with Simon, uh, Peter, and Andrew, he says, come and follow me. And he says, and I will make you fishers of men. And it says, at once they left their nets and followed him. This is important. They left their nets and followed him. They understood that. The, In order to say yes, their old way of life was now done. It was finished. And they were embarking on an entirely new way of life because they were agreeing to become the disciples of Jesus. In chapter 19, someone comes to him who is willing to give some, but not all. And Jesus says to him, leave all that you have and follow me. And it says the man didn't follow Jesus. And that is because they understood that to follow in the way meant that you had to practice in the way. It meant that you had to live in the way. It meant that you had to say that part of my life that I've lived up until I came into the way, that part of my life is over. It's concluded. It's a chapter that's done. And I'm embarking on something new and different now. Following Jesus, it meant doing what he did. In our culture, we've watered it down a good bit. We think that if we go to church once or twice a month and pray at mealtime, we're following Jesus. We've got it. We've taken care of it. But that is not how the first believers would have seen this. They would have understood that it was more. Following Jesus means doing what he did. It was leaving your way of life behind to pursue a new way of life that Jesus would give you. And continuing in that way, that is what the spiritual disciplines are all about. Learning the spiritual disciplines is learning the way of Jesus, learning to do the things that he did because they will make you more like him and they will help you to live the way that he's called you to live, to actually follow him. In our class that we're starting this week, Practicing the Way, we'll focus on nine practices that we see Jesus do uh, or hear him teach about and we'll, to extend. Uh, those practices are Sabbath first and then prayer and then fasting, and then worship, scripture, community, solitude, generosity, and hospitality. And if you join me in this year of learning, I will do my best to equip you to live those practices in your daily life. And I believe that if you do, when you do, you will be renewed in your spirit constantly. You'll understand what the Apostle Paul meant when he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, therefore we don't lose heart. Though we are outwardly wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. I can't wait to get started on that process and to get more deeply involved in what it looks like to be a follower of the way. But if you're here today and you want to start implementing some spiritual disciplines right now uh, that will help you abide in Christ, I'll give you my daily routine. and so this, this, this will help you, along with practicing his presence, to become more and more like Jesus. First is worship. Worship is one of the most important spiritual disciplines. Lamentations chapter three says that God's mercies are new every morning. In other words, every morning when you wake up, there is a new reason to worship him. You have been renewed. You have woken up with breath in your lungs. You have a reason to worship God. Psalm 150, that great psalm of praise says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And my favorite Psalm 22, chapter three says, he inhabits the praises of his people. When we come into this space and we all worship together, his presence is here inhabiting our praise. When you are driving your car down the road on the way to work and worshiping God, his presence is there. It inhabits the praises of his people. I believe in the principle of priority, which is to say the principle of the first. And that means that I believe the very first thing that you should do every single day is worship the one who is worthy of your praise. Let the first thing you hear every morning be his praises. Let the first thing to pass your lips in the morning be his praise. Uh, Before you check your email or your social media account or the weather or, God forbid, the news, take a moment to speak his praise praise. doesn't mean you have to do a full nine-minute Bethel worship song. You may not have time. Nobody has time. (laughs) But it does mean that you can say, Heavenly Father, thank you that I woke up this morning with breath in my lungs, and I worship you, and I praise you with all of my being as I start my day. That's a better thing to come out of your mouth first thing in the morning than a stifled, angry, good morning, when your spouse comes into the bathroom. Start on the right foot, praise him. Uh, but I, I, I put a, a rhythm into place where the I don't uh, the first the first couple songs that I, I love country music. I'm just guilty. I mean, I, I would love to start my day with Chattahoochee every morning. I'm just imagining it. But instead. I've made it my heart and my routine to the first couple of songs that I put into my, my mind and into my heart each morning are my favorite praise songs of the, mo- of the moment. I, speak, I sing and speak his worship before anything else. Worship. Worship is a great spiritual discipline to add. The second one is the most important of all the spiritual disciplines, and that is prayer. There's nothing that you can add to your life that would immediately add greater value than a practice of prayer in your life. It is absolutely paramount to being a follower of Jesus and to feeding the spirit that God placed inside of you. For centuries, the believers did not have access to the scriptures that we can so easily pull up today. They had to memorize their favorite verses. They would learn them, and they would consume them and put them in their hearts so that they could pray them out loud. They would have the the Bible read to them. They would would hear it. They would would treasure it, but they could not just open one up and read it. They couldn't download the Bible. Y'all, the Bible app has only been around for so long. They couldn't pull it all up on their phone. They didn't get a, a daily verse of the day push notification to their inbox for so long. The primary way everybody believer was connected to God was only through worship and prayer. And prayer, without prayer, it's not much of a relationship. because in order for you to have a relationship, you have to have communication. My wife and I, when we were dating, we were long distance. For two years, we lived 10 hours apart from one another while we were dating. And so I couldn't see her every day. I couldn't just be in her presence every day. Uh, I had to, if I wanted to have a relationship with her, communicate with her every day. Now, maybe some of you have had a girlfriend before that you'd never talked to, and you just tell all your friends that it's your girlfriend, but it might not be your girlfriend. (laughs) Might have been a dream of a girlfriend. And she wasn't my girlfriend if I wasn't communicating with her. We weren't in relationship because relationship requires communication. And so I would say that prayer is the same kind of connection for you. That if you are not praying and communicating and speaking with God and living this practice out, then how can you claim to have a relationship with someone that you don't speak with? I believe prayer will change every aspect of your life. In Jeremiah 33, 3, God says to Jeremiah, to the prophet, call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. See, God is waiting to awaken your spirit and to reveal his truth to you through your spirit in prayer. Prayer is the way. Prayer is a crucial discipline. And so add prayer to your life. And it's not as hard as you think. I mean, You, you can download an app. There's an app called the Pray First app. It's free and it is ad free. And it is just templates for prayer. If you don't know how to pray, then just when you wake up, you can start by giving a simple prayer. God, thank you so much for, putting, for letting me wake up this morning and enjoy this day. I give it to you. I worship. That's a prayer. But if you want to learn how to communicate and pray more and more, download the app and there's all these templates and you can just learn how to pray. You can read them out, that's okay. And learn how to pray through it. I'll tell you what I do every day and it's pretty simple. I have a little routine. I just, I start my day with worship and as I worship, I speak to God for a few minutes, sometimes five minutes, sometimes 20 I worship him in prayer. I bring my heart to him. I talk about my fears, my anxieties for the day. I ask him for covering and direction in the day. I give him honor. And then I get ready for my day. And a little bit later, when I've got more time, I sit down and I have a structured prayer. And I pray a different structured prayer for different days of the week. I'm In the prayer practice, I will... Talk about my rhythm and routine and and all of that in uh, practicing the way, but really I just I take time to pray every single day, and then I have a little journal and, I, and my it's a spiral notebook. You know I I'm not a moleskin guy. I like a spiral wide ruled notebook with uh, the cheapest Bic pen you can purchase. And and I and I and I just write I don't do like long lengthy beautiful journal entries that someone when I die will publish into a beautiful book. In fact, when I die, they'll look at him like, "Oh, he wasn't very smart." It, it, it's it's two lines and it's just what I was praying about that day because it helps me to to kind of see it. And so I'll put down, I call it the heart of my prayer. And I I find that as I pray each day, that there's one thing that I'm praying about harder than the others. And whatever that is, I just write it down. I call it the heart of the prayer and I close it up. And that's it. That's a simple routine that would help you abide in Christ. The last thing is scripture. I talked last week about why I believe Scripture and studying Scripture is so important. You go listen to that uh, if you want to know more about it. But I just think adding Scripture to your life is the easiest thing you can do. Um, the statistics show that the majority of us pick up our phones like 60, 90 times every single day. Let one of those times just be to look at the Bible on your phone. You can, you can get a push notification for one verse each day. I do that. I get the verse of the day from the Bible app, and it just kind of gives me... A great little scripture moment first when I wake up in the morning. And, and then you can also download the Bible app, and there's a million different plans on there. I use one called the Bible in One Year app. It's red and white. Nikki Gumbel is a pastor in the UK, and he writes the commentaries for it, and I really love it. And it takes you, uh, as the name suggests, through the whole Bible every year. And so anyways, take some time to study scripture. It takes less time than just catching up on your feed on Instagram, and it will add immense value to your life. Finally, Uh, stay connected. And so practice the presence. Discover the disciplines and stay connected. Stay connected. Abide, 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 abide in him. Stay connected to the vine. It's about the vine, not the fruit, the routine, not the reward. If you want to renew your spirit this year, stay connected. It's normal, normal to have ebbs and flows in your spiritual life, seasons where you're good about pouring yourself into his practices, and seasons where it's a struggle. You you don't have to be perfect. There is no expectation that you are perfect at all of this. There is no expectation that you wake up every single day and you get it right, and you win. That will exhaust you. Give yourself grace. God's already given you all the grace in the world. You just have to stay connected and make it a huge priority for you to stay connected, to stay connected to the vine, to stay connected to his presence. And I think importantly, to stay connected to his people because staying connected to his people gives you a community to do all these other things alongside. In the second half of this passage in John 15, Jesus continues in verse 12 and he says, this is my commandment that you love one another the way that I've loved you greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. I love John chapter 15 verse 14 is in the Bible. He says, you are my friends when you live the way that I've asked you to live as you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends For all that I have heard from my Father, I've made it known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. And these things I command you so that you will love one another. So in order to produce fruit, In order to receive the joy the Bible talks about and to live the life we were made to live, Jesus tells us to do two things. Abide in Him and love one another. It echoes His interpretation of the greatest commandment. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Real community is a part of God's plan for us. He tells us that we're two or more gather. He's there. The spirit in us, it longs to be connected to its source, the Holy Spirit, but that's not the only longing. I believe you, you come into this world with two huge longings in your heart. And one is this longing for your spirit to be connected to the spirit of God, the spirit that you were created to live in community with. And then the other longing that you are born with, that I know you are born with, Because every person I know is longing for relationship. Longing to be known by someone. Longing to be seen and really to be seen by somebody. You are born with a longing for your spirit to be connected to the spirit in others. A desire for community was written into your creation. And so if you, if you want to renew your spirit day by day, abide in the presence of God and abide in community with others. Let there be a lifting in your spirit from the spirits around you. Stay connected. Build real community, real relationships, places where you can get vulnerable, where it's okay for you to take the mask off. Go to church and serve the church. Be a part of what God is doing give to the church, get in a small group, let people into your life instead of keeping them at arm's distance and just see what happens when you submit yourself to real community. And we work hard to build that kind of community here at this church. We can't do the work for you. You are gonna to have to take some initiative. You're gonna to have to get uncomfortable. You're gonna to have to take the mask off. You're gonna to have to make some follow-up phone call. You're gonna to have to tell someone your name and get their phone number and do the whole nine yards. It's what building community all is all about. I can't do all of that for you. But what we can do is create a culture in this space where you can be vulnerable, where you can be connected, where it's okay to not be okay, where it's okay to spend time growing, asking questions, learning and doing it alongside others who will help you find the way. Stay connected, be in community. I believe that this year you can be more connected to the Spirit than ever before. In fact, we've we've been working really hard to try to make it easier than it ever has been for you to be more connected to the Spirit than ever before and more connected in community than ever before and more connected to one another than ever before. We, We are working as hard as we can as your church to make that possible for you, but you are going to have to stand up and do the work. Learn to love the routine, not just the results. Learn to pursue God in new ways, to not give him a piece of yourself, but to give him all of yourself. And I believe this could be the best year you've ever had. And so if you're in here today and you still You haven't entered into a relationship with Jesus. Your spirit is just longing for the first part of that joy today. All you have to do is commit to say yes. When he went to Peter and his brother and said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, they didn't have to go to the temple first and be cleansed. They didn't have a long, he didn't say, hey, you guys, get yourselves right first and then come follow me. He didn't tell them even to go wash the nasty fish smell off their hands. He just said, come follow me. And it says they left their nets and followed him. All you've got to do is say yes to the invitation he's offered you. And it just starts with a prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed, you just begin this way. Heavenly Father, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for the mistakes that I've made. Forgive me for trying to do it on my own. I need you. And I want to be in relationship with you. And I believe in you. And so all that I am, I am yours. I give it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.